All right, good morning. So Jeff told you all the good stuff. What he, what he didn't tell you is that when we were hanging out like a month ago or so, um, he goes, uh, we were, he was out hanging out at the park with us, Aaron Murphy, and um, I looked around, and he was like, man, I just love hanging with pagans. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm with you, bro, I'm with you. And uh, I think that's why I got invited today, because he just loves hanging out with pagans. And, and I'm one of the biggest, believe me, I'm one of the biggest. So I'm going to step back here, grab this real quick. So, man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. And, uh, man, this pump has been primed this morning, you guys. Oh, my goodness. This team did such an amazing job getting everything ready for today. And um, I just encourage you today as we're speaking, what this is not about is it's not about me coming up here and saying, here's what I heard the Father saying to me, and you're just consuming this. This is about you, one ear on me as your brother, and one ear on your father. And just going, Father, what are you saying to me today? And, um, and just hearing those words resound in you, Abba, I belong to you. That is, um, we'll just go ahead and write that up there, because that's just going to be really big with, what, um, with our, what our God's saying to us today. Can you guys read that in the back? Is that cool? Yeah? No? They were kind of quiet. I might need to go bigger. Jeff, you might need to like bold it for me, buddy. All right. Well, today I just want to talk about gospel family. That's what, that's what we are. That's what this time is about, about being a gospel family and being wrapped up into the story of our loving father who is in hot pursuit of his wayward children. That's what this whole thing's about. So why do we get together? Because we're a gospel people. And we have this crazy message of grace that we try to hold to. And everything that we default to about God is usually wrong. We, we think God is distant and he has rules and that we need, to be, we need to abide by these rules so that we can be blessed. We obey so we can be blessed. And we think if we don't, then we're out. If we don't, then we're in trouble. And the crazy message of the gospel is that God came to rule breakers. It's me. God came into the world. He came to a people in our sin, in our rebellion, our religiosity. And he steps in and he says, I'm going to rescue you up into a bigger story. I'm going to take your story. I'm going to let it be a part of the bigger overarching story that I am doing in this world. And so what is our role in all this? Our role is to come to light about who we are and to go, God, if you are really that good, then I'm just going to give you all of my unbelief, all of my sin, all of my rebellion. And when we do that, God goes, perfect. In your incompetency, I am fully competent. When you are empty, I want to fill you up. I'm here to heal the broken. I love to chase down the lost prodigals, kill the fatted calf, and throw a party. So most of us this week, most of us this week came thinking about God, maybe wrongly, as we're coming into these doors. And you know, we think, did I obey this week? Did I perform good enough? Is my, is my relationship with, with God okay? And the answer is, if you are in the family of God, the fact is you are good. You are good. Right here, Abba, I belong to you. And sin has already been de- dealt with. 
And this radical message of grace is what we hold to as a gospel people. And we're committed to walking together in this, in this reality. And when we walk together, we don't bring each other judgment. We're walking together and we're bringing the grace of God upon each other's lives. We're giving each other time and vision and grace, reminding each other of God's goodness. The story of a loving father in hot pursuit of his wayward children. So I kind of like to think of this, this time right now as family reunion. So this, this, isn't, this isn't what it's all about, right? It's all about being family, being a gospel family, shaping each other, holding to this radical message of grace throughout the regular, ordinary rhythms of life. And so when we get together, this is like family reunion. So you got these guys over here that are like, man, we had, a, we had an amazing week. And these guys are like, yeah, it, it just sucked. It was terrible. And these guys are going, man, we want to give you some of the goodness that we had this week to help lift you guys up. We want to share, and we want to come lift each other up. We want, we want to worship God together, and it's about family reunion. So if we could just kind of think about that as this today, and so we're going to open the family book, or you're going to turn it on your iPad or whatever you have today, and I kind of think of the Bible as our family book. So what are we doing? We're going to hear from our Father. We're going to come together as a family reunion, open the family book, and say, God, what do you have to say to us? What do you have to say, Father? So... I think the first thing that we need to know, as Brooke was so beautifully singing about, and I'm going to write bigger for you guys in the back, is we have to know God as Father. Is that big enough, y'all? All right, okay, there we go. That's what I like to hear, awesome. All right, we have to know God as Father. So Jesus said this. He said, what I see the Father do, that's what I do. And what I hear the Father say, that's what I say. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Sounds pretty easy. So Jesus, when he was on earth, there was two times that we have recorded where he heard an audible voice from his Father. Okay? So how is it that he says, I'm constantly doing what the Father does and saying what the Father tells me to say? If he only heard this audible voice twice. Well, I think it's kind of the way we hear our Father's voice. We stop, listen, God, what do you want me to do right now? And the Spirit speaks to us. And in that moment, we respond in faith. And we step out and we move. One ear on our family around us, one ear on our Father, and we walk together. So in Luke 3.22, here's what the Father says to Jesus. And the Father speaks twice. Both times, it is almost the same exact words. So if we have God speaking as a father to his son twice, super important, we should pay attention to these words. What does he say? You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. This is a work of identity. And I'm just going to stick with this black because you guys liked that. So, identity. Okay, so this, this deep work of identity is beginning to take root in Jesus. And this is the starting point. We must know God is our Father and find our identity in resting in that. So let's see how Jesus does that. So, so, what places do we 
find our identity other than our Father. And I'm going to actually give you guys some time to respond later on. So I want you to be thinking about some of this and letting, letting the Spirit speak to you and, and prick your heart. I'll just be vulnerable with you. So I find my identity in all kinds of places. I, find, I have four kids. And so it's so easy as a parent to get wrapped up in wanting them to perform right. And last night we were at a restaurant, and it was ridiculous. They're, like, climbing up these, like, these, the, the booth we were in, and it was, like, slanted. It was, like, slides, and they're, like, yeah, boom, boom. I'm, like, would you guys sit down? You're driving me crazy. And so it's just, it's just crazy how much I've tried to find my identity as a dad and a parent and not resting in my father, right? And then I hurt my back three weeks ago really bad, guys. It was pathetic. Like, I had a cane and I couldn't even make it across the room. It was really bad. And I'm laid up with this, like, shocker machine and ice on my back on my couch for two weeks. Yes, I cried. It was bad. And, um, and I'm like, wow, I find so much of my identity in my work and trying to show myself as a competent worker. And I am just pathetic right now, guys. And so I'm, I'm just constantly reminded of my incompetency and my need to rest in my father. I wonder, I wonder where you're at in that. But before any great work can be done through us, it must, all, it must always be first done in us. Really important words. God always has to do a work deep in your soul before he can do a work through you. You guys know this. Everybody must first come to the end of their capacity to lead, their competency and everything, where they just go, Jesus, I give up. And that's when God the Father steps in and goes, perfect, <laughs> perfect. All right, let me step in and let's do this together. So, so let's look at Jesus. In Luke 14, 6, he experiences immense rejection right on the heels of these words that his father spoke to him. So, so God the Father steps down, speaks words of affirmation and identity in Jesus, saying, I love you. Jesus hasn't done anything in ministry yet, but the Father says, I love you. So right after that, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he is tempted with all these crazy things. And how does he overcome that? Well, he leaves filled with the Spirit of God. And I think he leaves filled with the Spirit of God because he rested in his dad, in his father, finding his identity in his dad, going, I don't have a need for appetite, approval, or ambition, any of these things in the wilderness, because I have everything I need right here with my father. And he needed that. God even had to do a great work in Jesus so he could do a work through Jesus. And on the heels of all this, Jesus is about to experience amazing rejection that some of you guys have, have experienced in some ways too from your biological family. So in Luke 14, 6, it says this, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But you guys, you guys gone back home? Or have you gone back to maybe friends that you used to do life with in a manner that you used to do life differently than you do now? And they just think you're the same person stepping in. You're trying to go, no, well, I kind of, I think knew about things now, or I live differently now. And they just still kind of hold you to that same old standard. Well, this is what Jesus experiences in an, in a, in an incredibly um, difficult way. So what Jesus does is he steps into Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue, as he usually would have, and he picks up the scroll and he reads. And let's just listen to what he says. Guys, these are some really gracious words. So listen to this. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's salvation. Those were his words. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And they said, Is this Joseph's son? They ask. So these guys are listening to Jesus' words and they're going, Wow, this isn't, this isn't like... The same, the same guy that we knew, Joseph's son, like, no, I mean, come on. We knew him. He was just a dumb carpenter, kind of a poor family, not really anything at all. And now he's stepping into this. And so what would have been tradition, it would have, Jesus would have taken the scroll, read it, and then sat down, is what the scripture says. And what that meant was it was time for discussion. It was time for everybody from each of the different um, Pharisee tribes and all to say their interpretation. Each of these rabbis say, this is what we think it means, and they would talk about it. So as conversation comes up, Jesus is gently revealing to them that he is the one that is going to bring freedom to the captive. And so what he's doing is he's claiming that he is God, right? And so because of that, it, everything changes. And because of the religious who can't accept that, everybody goes from, from saying, wow, these are gracious words, to this. This is what we hear at the end of the chapter. All of the people in the synagogue were furious. And when they heard this, they got up, drove him out of town, took him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the cloud and went on his way. So Jesus experiences ultimate rejection from his family. I mean, they're going to kill him. They want to throw him off the edge of the hill. They are so mad. The religious cannot stand for this. So how does Jesus react? What, what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus um, doesn't give up. We don't, we don't hear anything in Scripture where he like hangs his head low and is like, wow, this is really difficult. I just went to them, bringing them the words from the Father, and they try to kill me. We don't, we don't, we don't see that in Scripture. What we see is in the next chapter... Jesus goes, and he begins everything that he came for, restoring a broken world and rescuing a people back to our Father. And he moves out in obedience. So, bare feet on the ground, Jesus as a model for us, how does he move in obedience? Because I think the way that Jesus lives is a model for the way he wants us to live, right? So there's the words of Jesus, which we have right here in scripture we're reading. There's the works of Jesus. Yeah, these are three W's, right? Has to be when you're preaching. Um, there's the works. So he's healing people, bringing people back to life. And then there's his ways. And I think his ways get forgotten a lot. I think that Jesus lived in a manner that he modeled for us how to do life. And, and we, we kind of miss it. So I want to kind of dive into what was the way that Jesus went about living life. And um, what he does is he goes out and he builds a spiritual family. 
And how does he do this? So, in, um, in Luke 15, 1, let's just read this verse. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. That's really interesting. Who's drawing near to Jesus? I think the question we need, we need to ask at this point as well, who's drawing near to me? What kind of people are, are, are attracted to me? Are the same kind of people attracted to me that were attracted to Jesus? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. So the religious are grumbling. The sinners, the tax collectors, the outcasts, they're drawing near. And what the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling about was this. I mean, this, this is crazy accusation, guys. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus is eating, receiving, and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. And he's accused of this a couple of times in Luke. And this is a really big deal. I mean, the religious get hot because Jesus is hanging out <laughs> with the outcasts. He's, he's partying. He's, he's, he's accepting them into his life. And it's just crazy to me to think like, okay, so you guys want to kill him because he's eating, drinking, and receiving sinners and tax collectors. But in this story, there's, there's three types of people. And I think that we need to maybe find our place in here. So either we are like Jesus, and we are going out, and we are doing life, receiving, eating, and drinking with sinners and tax collectors, those that need him most. We know Jesus says, I came for the sick, right? Not the healthy. Um, either we are th these people who are receiving this amazing life from God himself who is coming to us in the middle of our brokenness. Or we are like the religious and the Pharisees. They're going, I can't believe he's hanging out with these guys. It's ridiculous. And um, so it, it's almost at the same time as a gospel family, we, we're the ones that are receiving from Jesus, right? He's coming down in the midst of our mess and he's just constantly just good newsing us with the gospel. And and hopefully at the same time, we are, we are like Jesus in some ways. And we're going out to those people. Let's not find ourselves like the Pharisees that are pointing the finger and are bringing judgment. So, who, who, is, who is God our Father? Who is God our Father? In Psalms 68, 5-6, it says, He is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God settles the lonely in families. So what Jesus does when he comes on the scene is he, he reveals all this stuff that maybe wasn't fully understood in the Old Testament. And what he's revealing, what he's doing, is Jesus is building a spiritual family. He's rejected by his physical family. He goes and builds a spiritual one. We call them disciples. And he does life with these guys. And so if that is God's definition of family, not the one we have in America, just biological. If God says, I have a better and a greater definition of family, a spiritual one, then when he says these words, he's a father to the fatherless. Well, who's the fatherless? People that aren't in his family, right? He's a defender of the widows. Who are the widows? The ones that don't have a husband, right? The ones that aren't married to their father in the family. And you guys are thinking about these words, I know already. So, what is, doesn't James say something similar? Yeah. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress 
and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what if, what if this was, it wasn't, didn't just mean exactly orphans and exactly widows. What if, since God's definition of family is a spiritual one, what if, what if we were to walk around as a gospel family with eyes, as Jesus had, going, who is not in the family of God that needs to be? So we view somebody that's a peer, our same age, as maybe a brother or a sister. Somebody that's older as a mother or father or grandparent or younger as a, as a child. And we view them as, this lady that lives next door to me, you know, she doesn't know Christ. And what if we just viewed her as my mom? She's my mom that has lost the family. She's wayward. She's gone. And I have a father that is in hot pursuit of her. And he wants me to be family with her and to bring her in. Doesn't mean maybe necessarily bring her to a family reunion. Just be, be family with her. Regular rhythms of life, right? Like Jody was saying, just the regular stuff. And what if we built into our schedule regular rhythms to live as Jesus did and to be family for people, bringing them in? So we're going to have a time of dialogue right now. So I don't know if you guys can bring the lights up a little bit, but I'd love to get a little discussion from you guys on this. So, um, and I think the band's going to go ahead and set up here. So looking at this right here, I want to know what happens, and this is not rhetorical, so what happens if we move from here? We move from father, that marker doesn't work. Let's try this one. There we go. We move from father to obedience, okay? We skip this. We skip identity. Somebody throw it out. What? Why, is this, why does this not work? Throw it out there. Slaves and not sons. It's rules. What else? That's great. No, no freedom? Great. Somebody other than the pastor's wife got an answer on their hand? <laughs> Jody's on it, man. What else you guys got? Perfect. Perfect. How do we know what to do if we don't know who we are? So what I, what I call this is this is working from a position for love. We are trying to work for love, to gain acceptance from our Father. And this is what, this is what legalism and religion does, right? Right? So what would it look like if we did this instead? And we rounded the corner, knowing our identity in our Father, saying, Abba, I belong to you, now I move. Now I go and do life with those who are outside of the family. As a gospel family, we, we, we grace each other, we don't drop judgment on each other, and we move towards the people that need you. I think this is working from, from a position of love, instead of for love. So, a little bit vulnerable today. I was a little vulnerable with you guys. Anybody, anybody find yourself doing this? Maybe just hands first. That's always easier, right? Does anybody, would anybody want to be vulnerable enough to say, here's an area that I work for love? You got to be nice and loud for me. This should be a safe place, guys. We're family. Anybody find themselves working for love? 
Mm, a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to perform because everything in the world says if you do good, you'll get the job promotion. If you, if you are a, a better parent, then maybe we'll, you know, respect you more. If you do this, that's, that's just the way it works, right? Every day. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Right. Anybody else? What's an area that you, you're working for love? Or maybe the gospel's missing. Yeah, yeah, so she was just saying every day somebody cuts you off in traffic, you get upset, and we're out here working for love from our Father, trying to be really good people. Isn't that what all the religion in the world is? Okay, so let's gospel each other now, right? So we know we're messed up. And some of you guys are vulnerable, so thank you, because I know that's intimidating. Um, But let's gospel each other. Let's good news each other. So what would be good news to some of these situations? Well, how does the gospel now step in and speak to a a new people, a gospel family, in our time of family reunion here together? We've been listening to the Father, one ear on our Father, one ear on a few words of Scripture, some things I've said that you've said. How does the gospel now speak truth to us in the middle of this mess? Somebody good news me, man. I need to hear it. Yeah, you're a daughter of the king. What is, what is, it's always God's kindness that leads to repentance, right? Always his kindness. He's such a loving dad. Anybody else? Give me some gospel. Great. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, and when we know that God gave his son, we can rest in that work that is finished, then now we can move out in obedience. So this week, I'm sure you guys go on. I'm starting to see hands pop up. That's awesome. You know, let's do that this week. Let's be a gospel family, and let's live in the manner that Jesus lived with people that need him most, and let's just good news each other, and let's see what the Father has in store for us as his people. So Father, we come before you now. Our Abba, we belong to you. We find our identity in you. We rest in you, and we thank you that we have been rescued and that we are still being rescued out of religiosity We're being rescued out of performance, out of doing all these things. We just want to rest in you. We want to have one ear on you and one ear on our family and your spirit and scripture. And we want to move in obedience because you first loved us. Thank you, Father. Amen.